0: Solomon was going through a difficult time. His father, King David, had just died. The king, King David, the one everyone loved, the one that unified the country, had died, and Solomon was alone. He was grieving the loss of his dad. He just participated in the memorial service for his father, he just participated in his own anointing as king, and he's afraid. He's scared. The weight of grief, the pressures of leadership overwhelm him. He's having a hard time sleeping at night, even carrying his fears and insecurities to him with him to bed. And God speaks to Solomon in a dream. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said... Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Isn't that a great question? I mean, can you imagine waking up in a dream and hearing God ask you that question? Ask for whatever you want me to give you. I'll give you one wish, one thing that you want as you transition in this epic part of your journey. My my daughter turned 16. We had her birthday party last Sunday after worship, and we had her friends together, and we sang her the happy birthday song. She got the cake. It was all lit, and she had her moment for this one wish, and she paused for like two minutes. (laughs) She thought about what she was wishing for, what she could have. If she could have one wish, what would you wish for? Just take a minute. If you had one wish to grant, one wish to, that, that God would grant on your behalf. What would you ask for? What would be your one wish? Would it be money? I mean, just what everybody needs a little bit more money. Did you think about money? Those finances are a little bit tight, or maybe it was health. Maybe you're going through a difficult time in your health, or maybe it's a, a family member that's unhealthy and needing healing, or maybe you want to be the best in a desired field. Maybe it's in your academics or in athletics or, or as an engineer or in whatever you do, or maybe if you had this one wish for your family, you could start a family or grow your family. If you had just one wish, would you ask for money, health, success, flame? Well, many, many of you know how Solomon answered God's question. He didn't ask for money, power, fame, or friendship. He didn't ask to get out of the difficult circumstances that he found himself in. Solomon asked for what did he ask for? Wisdom, insights, knowledge, the ability to discern right from wrong, better from best, good from great, and God gave it to him. And Solomon became the wisest person that ever lived. And Solomon could have asked for money. And God would have gave it to him. But you know what? Without wisdom, Solomon would have squandered his wealth. Solomon could have asked for power, the the, the most powerful army in the world, and God would have given it to him. But without wisdom, he would have abused and misused his power. Solomon could have asked for fame or friendship. But without wisdom, he wouldn't have had the ability to keep his friends or lead a nation. Solomon asked God for wisdom because wisdom is supreme. That's what we learned last week, to run after it, to get wisdom. Whatever it costs you, get wisdom. And Solomon looked at his responsibilities as the king. He was going through uncharted waters. He knew he needed help in one of the biggest transitions of his life. And he asked God for wisdom. Isn't that what we all need, wisdom? I mean, whatever decisions that you are facing, whatever transitions you're in, whether you're moving from childhood to adulthood, from singleness to marriage, from marriage to singleness whether you're a full nest or an empty nest, we may want money, we may want fame or fortune or friendships, but we all need wisdom. Whether if we're caring for children or aging parents, we all want to answer this question, is this wise? Is this the wise thing to do with my limited amount of time or resources? And that's the question that King Solomon asked. He looked over all the aspects of life, marriage, sex, work, parenting, planning, and he asked, is this wise? Is this a wise thing to do with my family, my money? And scribes wrote down Solomon's words, and and they put them together in this book called the Book of Proverbs. And that's what we have, the wisdom of Solomon, the wisdom of God. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to find Proverbs and and to continue reading this book. We we started it last week. We're going to continue with the next couple of weeks, but to read and reread this book. And last week... We, we learned some truths about Proverbs, that they're not promises, they're, they're truths about life. And one of the main truths is, uh, that, that he kicked off is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that if we, if we want to live a life of wisdom, the foundation is to submit ourselves to who God is and to God's word and to God's truth, to revere and worship God. If you weren't here, would you like to listen to it? it it's online, but, but this week, we're going to go to a familiar talk at topic, that's true for all of us. Because right after Solomon teaches that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, he describes some of the most influential people on the planet, some of the most powerful people on the planet. It's not the president, it's not your coach, your teacher, or even your parents. Solomon writes about some of the most influential people in the world, our friends. See, I was going to talk about Sex this week. We may get to that a future week, but I sense God prompting me to teach on friends. Because this is a time of transition for you as a church. And you need friends. I mean, we're the family of God, but we're truly just friends. And and what we need as a church, what you need, are good friends, wise friends to support you, to pray with you, to participate in, in barbecues, to volunteer with the children, to listen to one another. And today, we're going to read a variety of Proverbs about friendship. But in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, Pro- Solomon starts this teaching with a story. And the story goes like this. Listen, my son, to your father's instructions. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Solomon begins, your mother and I have been talking. And these are the words we want to pass on to you. In fact, these are the first foundational instructions other than submitting yourself to God. These are the words we want to give you as you transition into adulthood. This is what Solomon writes. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and hole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us, and we shall share a, a common purse. My son, do not go with them. Do not set, your, do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. And then here's the truth about life. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. Because everyone can see it. All the birds know where to avoid. Everybody knows where the trap is. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. They trap only themselves. The trap they set out in full view of everyone is the very trap they fall into because that's the way life works. You fall into the very trap you set out for someone else. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. It destroys the very ones who go out to get it. The very thing you go out to get through inappropriate ways, through stealing, it gets you. You fall into the trap That you're trying to build for someone else. But did you notice how this parable started? It started with a conversation with friends. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If a group of girls at school pressure you to cheat on a test, if a group of guys at work solicit you to negotiate a deal that you know is shady, if a group of women in your neighborhood start gossiping about a neighbor, if a group at church decide to stir up the pot and go their own way, don't be foolish. Don't give in. Ask yourself this question. Pause long enough. And the pressures that you feel to ask yourself, is this wise? Is this a wise thing to do with my time, my money, my energy, my friends? Because friends are people of tremendous influence. Some of the most influential people on the planet are your friends, your close friends, your school friends, your work friends, your church friends. According to the Bible, they can lead you down the path of folly and into a trap, or your friends can lead you down the path of wisdom. This is what Solomon writes. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Have you heard that one before? That is a great truth. He who walks with the wise, he who hangs out with the right crowd, does the right things. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Your friends can have a tremendous positive influence on your life, but your friends can also lead you down the path of harm. A companion, you don't even have to be close friends with a fool, just a companion. You just hang out with a companion of fools long enough and you will go down path of foolishness. Your friends have a tremendous negative, can have a tremendous negative impact on your life. And throughout the book of Proverbs, we are forced to make a choice. Do I walk the way of wisdom or the way of a fool? Will I walk with the rise and grow, and grow wise or be with a companion of fools and suffer harm? See, that's the question that we're forced to answer. Will I choose wisdom or be a fool? Because we all have friends. We all have work friends. We all have school friends. We all have people that we hang out in our neighborhood. We all have church friends. And the question that, that God is asking us to consider is, am I choosing my friends wisely? Are my friends leading me down the path of wisdom? Or am I hanging out with a group of people that might be leading me down the path of foolishness? And to help us discern if we're walking with the wise, I created this quick acronym based on the word FRIEND. It may not be as, as sharp as marshmallows, you know, F R N D N D S, but but you may want to write these down to look up these verses later in your own studies. So it goes like this: the letter F is few. You can only have a few good friends. I know Zuckerberg would like us to think that we can have hundreds of friends, but we can't. We can have acquaintances, we can have potential friends. But according to the Scriptures, we can only have a few friends. Here's what the truth is. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man with many companions, a man that has lots of acquaintances, lots of people on Facebook. He's got a lot of people that that look, have the appearance of friends, but when the going gets tough and you hit a hard time, they're not around. So the truth is, friends, good friends, wise friends, are few. There may be many acquaintances, but we select a few close friends. Isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, he he, he had hundreds of acquaintances. He, He taught the crowds. He fed the hungry. He knew hundreds of people, but he selected 12. And with the 12, he had three. There were three, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Those were his close friends. Friends are few. Friends are selective. They're the ones that you invite to your birthday party. They're the ones that stand on your wedding day. They're the ones that speak at your funeral. These are the friends. Do you have friends? Do you have a few close friends? Friends are also real. They're real. They're honest. They're authentic. They say the words that need to be spoken. Listen to Proverbs chapter 27. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now remember, this is Hebrew poetry, Hebrew parallelism. There's there's a connection between 5A and 6A and 5B and, and 6B. It goes like this. Better is open rebuke. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Meaning an open rebuke, wound from a friend, it can be trusted, but hidden love, hidden love, Rebuke is like acting like an enemy, meaning a true friend can speak words of truth. A true friend can say what is necessary, but if you hide the truth because you don't want to hurt the other person, you're acting like an enemy. You're not a true friend. There's no love in you because a friend, a wise friend, can say the words that need to be said to your face. Better is open rebuke. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. A book came out a number of years ago. A friend gave it to me, and it's entitled this, Caring Enough to Confront. And, and the, I think the title says enough, that you care enough about your friends that you are, are willing to rebuke them, to correct them, to confront them. Do you have those types of friends in your life? Because those are the wise friends that we read in the Scriptures, that, that the true friends, they're few, but they're honest, They're real, authentic, and they can speak words openly, even when it hurts you. Friends are also insightful. Close friends can speak words of insight that bring you joy to your heart. Listen to Proverbs 27.9. We're just rambling through a few Proverbs to get these insights for what it means to be and have close friends. Perfume and incense brings joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Earnest counsel, wise advice, insights from a person that knows you and loves you is joy to your heart. It's pleasantness to your soul. It's, it's the sweet-smelling perfume. You can trust a friend with your secrets. You, you confide in a friend the matters of the heart. And you trust that person to speak words of hope and healing. Because that's what friends do. A friend can bring joy to your heart because they know you, they love you, they accept you. They can speak words of counsel, advice, and insight. When you face a tough decision, you can talk with your friends and say, help me, can you give me some advice? And that's what a good friend does. It's, it's like sweet perfume. It, it, it's comforting and joy to your heart. Because friends are few, they're rare. They're real. They're insightful and they're emotionally engaged. The wise friends that you need in your life are emotionally engaged. When you feel happy, they're happy. When you feel sad, they're sad. When you weep, they're weeping. That's what friends do. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on soda is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. The one who takes away a garment on a cold day or pours vinegar on soda is like one who sings songs to a heavy heart. If I'm happy when you're sad, then we're not friends. If I'm happy and I'm singing songs and your heart's heavy, there's an emotional disconnect. I'm not emotionally engaged with you because a friend is emotionally engaged. A friend is happy when you're happy and sad when you're sad and mourns when you mourn. It's that phrase that we often repeat. You know, she was just there for me. When I was going through that difficult time, I don't remember what she said. I don't remember what she did. All I remember is she was, she was just present. She was with me in my challenges. Do you have that type of friend? Do you have the friend that is emotionally engaged with you? As you think about the people on your phone, is there a select group of people that are real, insightful, and emotionally engaged? Because those are the friends that are wise and that will lead you down the path of wisdom. Friends are also necessary. I love this one that we need friends in our lives. They're needed. In, in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Iron is strong, iron is, is stable. Iron is used to build buildings and to build swords, but iron alone is dull, and a dull sword is useless. Iron needs to clash with something equally strong. See, that's the nature of friendship. In a friendship, each person comes with strength, capacities, and convictions, and good friends clash. They collide. They sharpen each other. Because iron can't be sharpened alone. And so it is with friendships. We must grow together. We can't grow alone. Friends are needed, they're necessary. I was at my friend's birthday party a number of years ago. And it was a surprise birthday party. And after the party, he said his thank yous. And I was jumping on, my pla- on a plane because it, it was a surprise to him. And, and he, he, he turned to me and he pointed at me and he said, I need you. I need you in my life. You sharpen me. You, you challenge me. You collide, and we and we sharpen one another. That's, that's the wise friend. That's the good friend. Do you have a friend that sharpens you, that challenges you? Because, because that's the friends that we need. That's what friends do. And finally, friends are, are few. They're real. They're, they're insightful, emotionally engaged. They're necessary, and they're dependable. The Proverbs, the the wisdom of Solomon says this, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves, not sometimes, not when it's convenient, not when everything's going well. A friend loves at all times, in the bad times, in the good times, in the routine times, all times. A friend in need is a friend indeed. There's no such thing as a fair-weather friend. Because a friend is there when you need them. See, a friend is different than a family member. Your family member can be a good friend or even your best friend, but a family member is different than a friend. Because a family member, even an extended, or even especially an extended family member, is there sometimes out of obligation. And if there's a memorial service or something's wrong, the family will be there, but a friend wants to be there. A friend will will make room in the schedule create emotional space and be at that place because that's what friends do. They're dependable. The the strength of a friendship is built upon their consistent decision to be there for each other. That's where the strength of a friendship is built. When you consistently decide to be there for one another, to depend upon one another, to love each other through multiple different circumstances in life, you build this sense of trust. My friend recently lost his mom, and I flew to Colorado Springs to be there on the memorial service. I didn't have to be there. I didn't, he didn't need me. I didn't even know his mother very well, but I was there for him and his family. Because I wanted to be there. That's what friends do. They're they're dependable. They open up space to be in those places of need. See, friends are few. They're real. They're insightful. They're emotionally engaged. They're necessary and dependable. And the question that I'd like you to consider is, do you have these friends in your life? As you look through your cell phone, as you look through social media, Are you walking with the wise or are you hanging with a companion of fools? Because friends have tremendous influence on your life. They can bring you down the path of wisdom or the path of folly. But another question, and maybe a better question, is this. Are you becoming this type of friend? Are you real? Are you honest? Are you insightful? Are you emotionally engaged? Are you necessary? Are you dependable? Because friends are a rare gift. And in order to find one, you must be one. I love the way the King James Version reads or or, or translates Proverbs 18. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Is that true? If you're looking to connect with friends at church, if you're looking to connect with friends at school, a man or a woman or or a child, Who has friends must himself be friendly. Meaning that if you're looking for a friend, the the best word of wisdom might be this become the friend that your friends are looking for. You become the friend that your friends are looking for, and then you'll have those types of friends. You be real, you be insightful, you be emotionally engaged, you be needed, you be dependable. You be the friend that your friends are looking for. That's the invitation that God has for you this morning. See, Solomon had one wish. In the midst of one of these most difficult times of his life, this huge transition, he asked God and he received wisdom. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be learning from Solomon and the wisdom that he gained from God about parenting and about relationships. But today, you have the opportunity to become wise in your friendships to be the type of friend that your friend is looking for, to be the type of friend that your church is looking for. So be real. Be insightful. Be emotionally engaged. Be necessary. Be dependable. These are my friends. And this is a picture just last month. We were going mountain biking. And we got Rob, Sean, and Don, and and I know these guys super well. These are my buddies. These are the guys I run with. I, I bike with. This is Rob's a school teacher. Sean works special ed. Don's a pastor. I can tell you about their marriage, tell you about their kids, tell you about what they like, tell you about what hurts them, tell you about what makes them laugh, what kind of beer they like to drink. I can tell you just about everything about these three men and the group of five that we gather. In fact, we gather every month via Skype and we meet together and we encourage one another. We call ourselves the Man Up Club say, hey, let's man up. In fact, we have five commitments. We want to man up in our relationship with God. We want to man up our relationship with our wives. We want to man up in our relationship with our kids. We want to man up with our relationship with the church. And we want to man up with our relationship with the next generation. And we invest in the next, and, and we have this commitment that we have with one another. And then we encourage, and we, and we, and we speak words of Wisdom. When my buddy was going through a difficult time at work, we were all there praying for him. When I was going through cancer, these are the men that came around me. Do you have these types of friends in your life? Will you become this type of friend in the lives of people in this church? Because that's the opportunity that God has for you in this season of transition. This is the wisdom of Solomon. This is the wisdom of God. Don't be a fool. Don't miss your moment to be this type of friend in the circles for which you run. Your friends have a tremendous influence on your life, and you can have a tremendous influence on the lives of your friends. You can lead them down the path of wisdom. So choose wisely. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time that we can just open up your scriptures and find life and find meaning and find instructions and wisdom for how to live a life that's truly life. Because we all have friends. We all sing songs about friends. We all know friends. And some of our friends that are coming to mind right now are fools. And we need to avoid them. And some of our friends that we're thinking about right now are wise. And we need to cherish them. And for some of us, God, you're speaking to to, to our ability to be that type of friend to others. To be insightful. To be necessary. To be dependable. God, that, that we would be emotionally engaged in the relationships with some of our friends. So that we could experience this community of wisdom and pass on those truths to the next generation. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for your word. I just ask that even as we reflect on your word, that you would continue to speak to us and that we could take the necessary steps to choose wisely in our friendships, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.